I titled the message for this evening, There is born to you this day a Savior. To you the Savior was born. And I realized when Karen brought forth the message last Sabbath on joy and the scripture she used that my scripture is the exact same scripture, but it's a different message. Luke 2, verses 1 through 20. And I'll also be using Luke 2 this Sabbath, but uh, again, a different message. Hear the word of the Lord. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quarnius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, every one to his own city. Joseph also went up, up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were complete for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Hallelujah. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the same which was told them concerning the Christ child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. These humble shepherds were the first to be missionaries for Jesus Christ, weren't they? They went and told all the things that they had heard and the things that they had seen. My friends, when I think of this passage of Scripture, I believe it to be the greatest news the greatest news announcement ever given unto mankind. Good tidings of great joy. There is born to you this day a Savior, a Savior who has come to save the world. That He has come down in the flesh in a most humble way. In a most humble way, think about it, to come as a tiny baby and born in a most humble place, in a manger. It wasn't to the royalty of that time. The announcement didn't come to Caesar Augustus. It didn't come to religious leaders at that time, did it? 
You know, it was not by coincidence that Caesar Augustus would order a census, which would cause Mary and Joseph to have to travel to Bethlehem, was it? It's precisely the right time for her to deliver the Savior. In the very town that was prophesied to be the birthplace of the Messiah. That's not just coincidence, friends. Micah 5.2 says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are, of, are from old and from everlasting. God would use this seemingly small and insignificant little town to bring forth Israel's greatest king of all, the king of kings. This little town, Bethlehem, Ephrata, was located about six miles southwest of Jerusalem. And it was the very same town to which the prophet Samuel would travel to anoint a young shepherd boy named David to be king over Israel. The very same town. You'll find that in 1 Samuel 16. David's hometown. The very reason why Joseph and Mary had to travel to that same town because he was of the house and lineage of David. That's why it was required for him to go there. And you know the smallness and insignificance of Bethlehem reveals a truth that I didn't really think about or know about. But I believe it to be very true. You know, the scripture in verse, I believe it was verse 7 said that there was no room for them in the inn. And you know, though that might make a very fun and entertaining little scene in a Christmas cantata or a Christmas play, that you know, you would have the innkeeper there by the door and have his window there and they come pounding on the door and they're looking for a room in the inn. And he's like, there's no room. You know, that might make for a fun story. But you know, I believe it's not a very accurate description of events that would have actually happened in that little town of Bethlehem in that day. You know, we have hotels that we, anytime we travel, we can find a hotel anywhere. So I believe we may have a wrong assumption of the actual events of that evening. Because in truth, being a very, very small and insignificant town, as Bethlehem was, remember the, little, the song, O Little Town of Bethlehem? They would not have actually had an inn in that town. There was no actual inn for them to stay in. Young's literal, Young's literal translation, I believe, gives us a better description of what the actual conditions were like. I want to read it to you. And she brought forth her son, the firstborn, and wrapped him up, and laid him down in the manger, because there was not for them a place in the guest chamber. In the guest chamber. My friends, hospitality was an extremely important part of life in those times. Because of the lack of inns, hotels, they didn't have hotels, but because of the lack of hotels, especially in small towns, families had to open their homes up. The guest rooms, the spare bedrooms, if you will, so that travelers, especially family or someone they may know or friends, so they had some place to stay. So there just weren't any guest rooms left. There was a lot of people that had come into the town. 
And there were no guest rooms, no spare bedrooms left. Or at least no guest rooms left in the homes where they were willing to open their homes up. And you know, we don't actually read in the scripture, but it's not hard to figure out. That someone in Bethlehem though, even though they may not have had a guest room left over, they were all full. But at least they were compassionate enough and willing enough to say, I don't have any guest rooms, but I do have a manger. And there's some hay and, you know, you can make yourself as comfortable as you possibly can. I do have that for you. They were hospitable people. And you know that a young mother, a young mother-to-be, is not going to deliver that baby on her own. We don't read it in the Scripture about those that maybe come to help, but we believe and know that someone was gracious enough to come and help this young couple in need, ready to give birth to the Messiah. Someone extended the hospitality and the help that Mary and Joseph needed. So there was no room, no guest room available to them. There's a very important theme that I feel runs through the entire account of Jesus' birth. From Mary's encounter with the angel all the way through the birth to the announcement of the birth. And that theme, my friends, is humbleness. There's a lot of humbleness. Mary was a devout believer in Jehovah God. She was an ordinary, humble young woman, a faithful woman. I want to read from Luke chapter 1, verses 30 through 38. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let it be to me according to your word. She humbled herself, accepted God's plan, to use her to bring forth the Messiah. You know, a couple weeks ago, I was speaking of Zacharias and Elizabeth in Zacharias' account with the angel, or his meeting with the angel. And he was stricken with muteness, wasn't able to speak until the child was born. And when you look at the two questions, they do not appear that different. Zachariah asked, How shall I know this? For I am an old man. When the angel said, your wife Elizabeth is going to bring forth a son, he's like, how will I know this? I'm an old man. Of course, he said, what sign will you give me? He added that to it. And as I shared, the sign was, you're going to be mute because you did not believe. But Mary asked, 
How can this be, since I do not know a man? Well, I believe the difference is, you know, God is omniscient. He knows all things, and I believe that that part of His character was at work here. He knew that Zacharias harbored doubt in his heart, as I already shared. He had doubt. He didn't believe the word of the angel. But I believe that Mary's question was simple, simply a humble question. I don't think she was doubting the word of the angel at all. She's just not knowing how it's going to happen. I believe you. I believe you, but how is this thing going to happen? How's it going to take place? Because I do not know a man. God knows every thought, every intent of the heart of man. 1 Kings 8 and 39. I was going to do two verses, but I only need 39. Then here in heaven your dwelling place, then here in heaven your dwelling place, and forgive and act and give to everyone according to all his ways, whose heart you know. For you alone know the heart of all the sons of men. God knows the heart. He knows your heart. He knows my heart. He knows the hearts of the sons of men. Mary said, let it be according to your word. What an example. A young woman, very young woman. But what an example of spiritual maturity. What an example of faith. What an example of surrendering, surrendering one's own will. Here's this young woman engaged to Joseph. I'm sure they've discussed the children they were going to have and the plans they had for their home and all these plans. But she says, God, you're a maidservant. May it be unto me as you say. Surrendered her own will and allowed God to use her in his divine plan of salvation. And you know, surely she did not fully understand all that this meant. She did not understand all that would happen to Jesus as He grew. She didn't know all the things that He would have to endure. She didn't know fully the sufferings that He would go through. She didn't understand it all. You know, there was a story when Jesus was about 12 years old. They had went to Jerusalem for the Passover and they traveled in a large caravan. And whenever the Passover was over and they was going home, they had traveled an, an entire day's journey before Mary and Joseph realized that Jesus wasn't with them. They weren't bad parents. She, they thought He was with the caravan. So they realized He wasn't there. They go back to Jerusalem. They spent three days looking for Jesus. Three days. They found Him finally in the temple and said, what have you done to your father and I? Don't you know we was in a panic? We were worried about you. And Jesus says, did you not know that I'd be about my father's business? So you see, Mary didn't know all that this entailed. She did not understand it all, but she humbly agreed to birth and raise to the best of her ability the Savior of the world. As we learn of God's plan to redeem mankind from our sins, as we watch this amazing plan unfold, there are so many humble and ordinary people that God uses in extraordinary ways. I'm not necessarily around the birth, but 
Sapphira and Pua, two midwives back in the Old Testament days, they defied Pharaoh's orders. Pharaoh had ordered the midwives to kill all the Hebrew children as they went to help give birth. But they refused to kill them because they answered to a higher calling. They knew who God was. Basileel, he was a simple architect, an ordinary guy. But God gave him the job of a lifetime to build the Ark of the Covenant, the place where God would dwell between the cherubim. God uses ordinary, humble people all the time. God chose to announce the birth of His Son, the Savior of the world, to a band of shepherds. They were out in the field watching over their flocks. Instead of announcing it to the royalty, He announced it to humble shepherds. First to hear this most wonderful news. Shepherds were often looked down upon. But Jesus came for all people. Rich, poor, male and female. Educated, uneducated. By announcing Jesus' birth to shepherds, God was demonstrating His love for all. No matter who we are. 1 John 3, 1 says... How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Friends, that's what we are. We are children of God. I believe there may be another reason also why the Lord chose to make this announcement to the shepherds and in this particular field. Jewish tradition revealed in writings called the Mishnah that the Messiah would be revealed from the Magdal Eder, that is a tower, that is the tower of the flock. It is a tower that stood close to Bethlehem on the road to Jerusalem. And the sheep that pastured there in that field were not just ordinary sheep. They were the sheep that would be tended to, that were meant for the temple sacrifice. So he announced the birth of the lamb that would take away the sins to the shepherd that were taking care of the sheep that were for the sacrifice. I learned something else as I was researching this, that whenever a young lamb was born, these lambs for the sacrifice, the shepherds would wrap them in swaddling cloths. I was going to say clothes, but would wrap them in swaddling cloths. Why? Because when these little young lambs are first born, they're very wobbly and and don't have a lot of uh, coordination. So they might fall down and put a scar or whatever on them. They are to be without blemish. So they would wrap them in these claws. So why do you think Jesus was wrapped in swaddling claws? We know that Mary wasn't going to let him get scarred up. But how symbolic that the lambs was wrapped in claws to keep them perfect. Jesus was wrapped in swaddling claws because he is the lamb to be sacrificed to take away the sins of the world. We can proclaim tonight that unto us, unto us, a Savior was born. A Savior is born. There's a song titled, Do You Have Room? And one verse goes like this. Do you have room for the Savior? And do you seek Him anew? Have you a place for the one who lived and died for you? Are you as humble as a shepherd boy or as wise as men of old? Would you have come that night 
Would you have come that night to that stable? Would you have sought the light? Do you have room? Do you have room for Him in your heart? Do you have room for the Savior in your heart? We must humble ourselves and receive the Savior. Revelations 3, 20-22 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him, and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who has an ear, hear what the Spirit of the Lord says. Humble thyself and come unto me.